The LA Clippers fell to the Utah Jazz on Wednesday night. After winning a game in Portland, how did they fall short in Utah? Was it just a terrible performance? Did they run out of gas? Gonna be talking about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers. Your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri, in my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. And of course, subscribe to my own YouTube channel where I do more Clipper content and sports content known as Dime Dropper on YouTube. And of course, remember to subscribe to Locked On Clippers on YouTube and I'm asking today's pin question and that is do you think the Clippers could have won this game or were they just out of gas I want to know today in this episode I'm going to be starting out by answering that question why did the Clippers fall short against the Utah Jazz on this back-to-back on Wednesday night losing 112 to 125 in their third matchup with the Jazz this season and then I'm going to talk about some of the positive to take from the game and also just some of the reasons why it's becoming increasingly hard to win games like this And let's start out with the story of the game. And to me, that was the third quarter. You know, I thought the Clippers didn't start out too great in the first quarter. Jordan Clarkson and Lowry Markinen started out hitting tough shots. And, you know, Jordan Clarkson is just a tough shot maker. Every single time the Clippers play the Jazz, you see Twitter and everyone's like, this guy Clarkson, man, just makes the most ridiculous shots. He's one of those guys, you know, like a Lou Williams, like a Jamal Crawford instant offense and even though he won the sixth man of the year in 2021 when the Jazz finished first and ultimately fell short to our Clippers he is now starting and he's really done well in this role under the coach Will Hardy and I think he's done a better job of not totally forcing it and he was again very efficient in this game 10 for 18 from the field 5 for 9 from 3 and he also got to the foul line 11 times and made 8 of those So 33 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists for Jordan Clarkson in 40 minutes of play. And I think when you look at why the Clippers lost this game, I think one of the biggest reasons is Jordan Clarkson just played really well. He just made some tough shots, especially in the first half. He couldn't do much about. But I think the Clippers overall, like in the first quarter, they conceded 35 points. They allowed 35 points, only scored 26. But I don't think that their defense was horrendous or anything like that personally. I think the Jazz were just making shots. I mean, I think they're a tough team to beat in Utah. I think Lowry Markinen as well was making shots. And again, Marcus Morris Sr., another tough shooting night. And, you know, he's been so consistent this season. He's had such a great season. But he just wasn't hitting in this game again, just like against Portland. And he was 3-for-11, only got two three-point shots off, made one of them. But not a very good shooting night for him. It was actually Reggie Jackson that got the Clippers off to a solid start making his first five field goals, but he would not hit again for the rest of the game. Made his first five and then missed his next five field goals. And listen, when you see, by the way, I just want to say that, of course, no Kawhi Leonard in this game, still out with that sprained ankle, no Paul George with the hamstring injury, no Luke Kennard, and the worst one of them all at this point 
was no Norman Powell coming off the incredible game he had against Portland to not have probably the three best scorers on the roster was extremely tough against the Utah team that as far as I know all their major players were there that was the starting lineup they've been running the whole season although I'm sorry Mike Conley didn't play but I think when you look at the who the Jazz are missing Mike Conley and you look at who the Clippers are missing definitely it's advantage Utah Jazz and they took advantage of it for sure with a nine-point lead in the first quarter. But the funny part is the Clippers in the second quarter actually put together a really good quarter. They outscored Utah 34-23, and I think a large reason of that, a large reason for that was John Wall. You know, he was back, you know, he's been still sitting back-to-backs. I wonder if that's ever going to change this season, but he played in this one, and I thought he did the same great stuff that you usually see from John. Got to the basket at will, constantly two feet in the paint, constantly putting pressure on the opposing team's defense. You saw him play 25 minutes. You saw Robert Covington play 23 minutes. You saw Nico Batum play 22 minutes. And you also saw 22 minutes from Brandon Boston and 16 minutes from Musa Diabate. I'm going to talk about them a little bit more as the show goes on. But John Wall, I thought he was really good in terms of getting to the line especially. No Clipper shot more than four free throw attempts except for John, who shot 13 and made 12 of them. So if you want to take a positive from the game, that is absolutely a positive that John Wall hit 12 out of his 13 free throws. Because if you've been following Clippers basketball this season, you know he's really struggled from the line at times this year. As far as what went poorly in the third quarter, I think the Clips just kind of started running out of gas. You know, I asked at the top of the show, I said, did the Clippers just play poorly or they just run out of gas? I think there was not much you could have done. Because when you go look at not much they could have done. Because when you go out and actually look at the game, Reggie Jackson, in games like this, is getting Jared Vanderbilt guarding him. Jared Vanderbilt, the best defender on the ball, on the Jazz, one of the best in the league, guarding basically everybody. You know, shout out to... I don't know if I don't know his name, but one of the commenters and subscribers has been commenting about the Clippers trading for Jared Vanderbilt since the offseason. So shout out to you. He, I mean, of course he was impressive. You know, he's, you know what he does. He was 7 for 10 in this game from the field. Had 14 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, and obviously played really good defense. And, you know, Jordan Reggie Jackson still shot 50%, but it was how tough the Clippers had to work to get certain shots that stuck out. And when you look at the Clippers, you might say, oh, they scored 112 points. It was the defense that was bad. But it honestly wasn't atrocious. I think the Clippers' defense wasn't very good. But I think the Jazz play at a very fast pace. They try to come up the court and shoot quickly, especially when they get stops and they're a young team. And the Clippers shot 40% from the field in this game and 33% from three. They just didn't shoot well. Their offense wasn't good for obvious reasons. They're very shorthanded and coming off a back-to-back where they played in a very close game in Portland and traveled. The Jazz, on the other hand, shot 55% from the field and 44% from three. So they just shot extremely well. And even though the Clippers won the second quarter 34-23 and took a 60-58 to lead into halftime, it just wouldn't be enough. You know, Reggie Jackson, as I said, had a good first half. Zubats had 10 points in the first half. But in the third quarter, it kind of fell apart. And what was interesting was... The Clippers were actually up 70-68 to in the third quarter with around seven and a half minutes left. And then the Jazz closed it out on a 26-15 to run. And going back to that point I made about Vanderbilt guarding Reggie, it just hurts because you're... Like, when you look at the starting lineup for the Clippers, right? 
Ivica Zubats, Marcus Morris, and Reggie Jackson are the normal starters. Marcus Morris is good for creating his own shot, but he's not a guy that's going to handle the ball and pick and roll. Not a guy that's going to really garner double teams because he's not putting on any rim pressure. What, what defenses do with Marcus Morris is put your hand up and hope he misses his contested mid-ranges or his contested threes. That's what you do. You just got to hope Marcus Morris misses. He's not going to just drive by you isolating one-on-one. He's going to shoot over you and make some shots that there's nothing you can do about. And in this game, he wasn't making those shots. And as a result, Ty Lue only played him 23 minutes. And funny enough, a lot of people were coming at Ty Lue for his lineup decisions. I really think that you're, you're stretching it a bit because he doesn't have that many options. He doesn't have that many options right now. I think the only thing you can say about Ty Lue is when the Jazz were starting to make a run and it was 74 to 83, Jazz were winning in the third quarter. He could have called a timeout there, but he waited a possession or two and then Lowry Markin and hit a transition three right after. I think what really happened was the Utah Jazz had fresher legs and you can see that their defense was sharper. You know, besides the fact that Jared Vanderbilt is guarding Reggie Jackson. And it's like, the reason why I mentioned those three players is Marcus Morris is not going to create a shot for anyone but himself. Reggie Jackson is basically the sole person in that starting lineup without those players that's supposed to create shots for the Clippers. He's the only guy that's supposed to handle the ball and pick and roll. Now, we've seen Terrence Mann do it a little more, but Terrence, he needs to be making his jump shot because what teams are going to do with Terrence is they're going to go under the screens if he's handling the ball and pick and roll. They're going to go under the screen. So he needs to make his jump shots. In this game, he only shot five times, made two shots. One of those shots was a block by Walker Kessler, a very impressive one. And I thought Terrence was average. You know, his plus minus is really bad, but so is Marcus Morris's, and I don't think that's an indicator of him playing terribly. I don't think he had a very good game. Amir Coffey played 19 minutes and was very quiet. You know, he made one three that put the Clippers up 70 to 68 in that third quarter, but overall one for four from the field, only five points. I didn't really notice him on defense much either. So when you look at that starting lineup, Zubats is not really creating his own shot unless you throw it to him in the post against a mismatch. And I'm going to mention something in a second that had to do with that. But it's really, you're relying on Reggie Jackson to create these shots. And when Jared Vanderbilt is in the game guarding him, you know, that takes away a lot. And the Clippers were really struggling to get good looks in that third quarter. Even when John Wall came in, you know, he was getting to the basket a little bit. But overall, I thought the Jazz's help defense got a lot better. You know, you saw Walker Kessler getting some blocks. You saw Kelly Olynyk with some good help defense. And I think what the Jazz did really well was when the Clippers missed, same thing as you saw Portland do in that third quarter on uh, Tuesday night, they got out and ran. And I think Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton did a really good job of getting in the basket and just running the Clippers off that floor in the third quarter and also getting some transition threes, you know, for Olynyk, for Markinen. And even Colin Sexton was getting some putbacks and stuff, so... Again, you know, the Clippers in the fourth quarter lost it 31-27. to I think they, you know, they made a small push. But overall, you know, John Wall had a pretty crucial turnover when the Clippers had cut it down to around 10 or 7 points. Actually, the Clippers cut it down to 4 in that, in that fourth quarter, early on in that fourth quarter. But yeah, a couple of turnovers. And even though the Jazz turned the ball over 17 times to the Clippers 10, there's a couple of crucial turnovers in that fourth quarter. And the Jazz just kind of took advantage. Colin Sexton got on the break on a, on that bad John Wall turnover I just referenced. And that was really that. I think at times, especially in the second half too, the Clippers, their on-ball defense got a lot worse. You know, they, they allowed 67 points in the second half. And I think there were a lot of times where guys like Robert Covington, Nico Batum, I think Robert Covington did a good job on marketing, but I think Robert Covington also showed he still is struggling, like I've said, with quicker guards. So like when he's on a Clarkson or a Sexton, 
you know, there were times where he was kind of just relying on the help. And when you're relying on help on defense, that means you're basically sending a player into two defenders. But you know what that means? Two defenders on a player, somebody's open. And I think the Jazz did a really good job of finding the open man and making the Clippers pay. And as a result, shot a good percentage and won the game. 125 to 112. And coming up, I'm going to talk about what really is the problem with games like this and what, what Clipper fans need to realize instead of panicking so much. There's a reason why this is happening. And something's got to happen soon. Going to be talking about what that is coming up. The U.S. men's national team have made the knockout stage of the World Cup, and they find themselves playing against Netherlands on Saturday morning. And if you want to place your bet on that, you got to go to Bet Online to do so. The line currently is plus 125. The spread is 125. The money line is plus 333 for the U.S. So I would honestly place a bet on them because they've looked really impressive in the tournament. The U.S. has not lost yet, and they've only conceded one goal, and that was on a penalty. Of course, where you do this, betonline.net. It's your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football, basketball, soccer, and esports. We've got it all on betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at BetOnline. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go behind the scenes and beyond the scoreboard with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Clipper Nation, let's just get right into it. The main reason the Clippers aren't winning these kind of games is because they're too banged up, straight up. Like, you can't expect the Clippers to win these kind of games unless Reggie Jackson, like, let's say, without Norman Powell especially, you need Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris Sr. to play well for the most part. You really do, unless everyone else plays well. Terrence Mann scores 10 points. Amir Coffey scores 12 points, you know? You need stuff like that because guys like Moses Brown, Robert Covington, Nico Batum, Musa Diabate, these guys, and even guys like Amir Coffey, these guys' points are predicated off getting shots from other guys. So when you remove a Norman Powell, that's already a guy that's drawing some attention from the defense. You remove Paul George and Kawhi, same thing. And even Luke Kennard, when he's coming off screens, at times he attracts two defenders, which can leave somebody open on the roll or something. So you need Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris Sr. to play well. And Marcus Morris Sr. shot 3 for 13. Reggie Jackson shot 5 for 10, but he missed his last five shots of the game. So in the second half, he didn't actually hit a shot. So when Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson are not hitting shots, it was basically just the John Wall show. And one man is not going to beat a, a Utah Jazz team where all five of their starters scored in double figures. Kelly Olynyk, 12.7 rebounds, 4 for 7 from the field. Lowry Markinen, 23 points, 9 rebounds, 7 for 11 from the field, and 4 for 7 from 3. Thought he played really well. He's just off to an incredible start to the season, Lowry Markinen. I would say he's kind of in, I would put him in most improved conversations, honestly. I know he has shown potential, but this is the first time in his career where he's averaged over 20 points. He's improved his points per game by nearly 9 points. I'm sorry, nearly 8 points. He averaged 14.8 points last year. He's averaging 22.2 this year. And best for him is he's been healthy so far this season. He actually has never played over 68 games in his career. That's his 
career high and, and for a season, 68 games. He's on track to break that this season, but we'll see. I think he's been really phenomenal, and he's also played good defense and has shown much better lateral ability than I thought he had. So shout out to him. I think he's playing really well. I already talked about Jordan Clarkson and Jared Vanderbilt, but Colin Sexton, 21 points, six rebounds, six assists for him on eight for 14 shooting from the field. So he also had a really, really good game. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker, cousin of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, had 11 points off the bench. So the Jazz had a lot of good contributions. You know, as for the Clippers, Amir Coffey and Terrence Mann only combined for 10 points. And I think a lot of that's because they didn't get many good looks. And it goes back to what I was saying. You know, the Jazz doing a really good job defensively. And, <laughs> you know, people are saying, oh, Ty Lue's rotations, Ty Lue this. What do you expect? Like, I don't understand what you guys expect. Like, I, I don't, I truly don't get it. You want Reggie Jackson to play more or something? Like, he, I mean, there wasn't much there, guys. There wasn't much there for the Clippers to win this game. They had to play great to do it, and they just didn't. I think they were getting blown by. Like, they could not stay in front of Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson in the second half. They couldn't. And even Kelly Olynyk was getting to the basket and scoring. So it was just, you know, they're tired. It wasn't much. They're just too shorthanded. You know what I'm saying? You're expecting this Clipper team to beat two playoff right now two playoff teams with portland and utah they're in the playoff spots on the road back-to-back nights with with their three best scorers out and the best three-point shooter in the league last season out it's just a tall task um so my moral of the story here is if the clippers are missing all these guys reggie jackson and marcus morris like need to play well and i don't even think reggie jackson played poorly but he didn't play well enough in the second half and you know second half is more important than the first half in my opinion in basketball I think every half is important, but second half is definitely more important. And he just didn't have it. And I, I'm not worried about Marcus Morris Sr. either. You know, he didn't have a very good game. But how much has this guy played this season? You know, the Clippers are 13-10 and 10 now. They've played 23 games. And Marcus Morris has played 21 of them, and he's averaging 30 minutes. You know, compared to other guys, he's played a lot. He's played a lot on this team. Reggie Jackson has played every single game of the Clippers season. And you're relying on him to play 30 minutes a night and have the ball in his hands so much because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are always out. Like, it's a lot for some of these role players. Ivica Zubats, he's played in every single game. And yeah, he had 12.7 rebounds in this one. He wasn't as good. But he's, he's averaging 31 minutes a game. He's averaging 11 and 11. You know, he's played every single game. You're relying on these same three players to constantly carry the Clippers it's just not it. You know, Nico Batum, thought he played pretty well, actually, off the bench. Eight points, two for four from the field, plus five, and his plus minus. Robert Covington also had a pretty good game, again, eight points, six rebounds. But my problem with Robert Covington, you already know what I'm going to say, the three-pointers that he takes, two for seven in this one, just, I think the, the guy, I love the guy. I really love Robert Covington. But he just sometimes thinks when he gets his the ball, he needs to shoot a three. Like, he just has to shoot a three if he catches it behind the three-point line. Man, move the ball. And speaking of guys that shoot way too many threes, John Wall. Like, he's so great outside of that. I don't know why he is so persistent on it. Look, look, John, I love you. I don't think you're listening, but if you are, you don't need to shoot threes, man. I know everyone's trying to persuade people to shoot threes, but just, like, stick to what you're great at. Like, no need. mid-range is fine. Mid-range is fine. But if you look at the stats last night, John Wall from two was seven for 14, 50%. From three, 0 for five. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You got to keep the defense honest. Not even. 
Not when he has the ball. Just keep setting screens until they go underneath it deep enough and you shoot your 18-footer. You know, it's funny because everyone discourages that long two. But an 18-footer when you can make it is much better than a three when you miss. Again, everyone says three is greater than two. How about two is greater than zero? And John Wall right now is shooting 26% from three. 26%. There's no reason why he should be shooting three-plus attempts a game. I'm sorry. I love John Wall. I think he was our best player in this game. But he can really do without that. John Wall, 26 points, 5 assists, 7 for 19 shooting, as I said. He did play well. But coming up, going to be talking about two guys that did play well and some positives to take from this game going into the next one. Going to be hitting those coming up. All right, so to close out, the Clippers, by the way, going forward, you know, they have a couple days off. Not going to play on Thursday. They're also not playing on Friday, which is nice. And then on December 3rd, Saturday, they are playing against the Sacramento Kings, who have been playing really good basketball of late since the last time the Clippers saw them. So that will not be an easy game, but thankfully they'll be back at home for it. So should get a win there. Hopefully with these couple days of rest, we can hear an announcement that one player that's injured will come back. I mean, Jesus Christ, like 23 games into the season now, that's... A, a, over a quarter, right? Yeah, over a quarter. So, I mean, they, they got it. We got to get it together. We got to get guys on the court. I mean, it's just, it's just not it. But I'm gonna talk about the standings in the big picture in just a second. The positive to take from this game, besides John Wall playing well, Musa Diabate again. 16 minutes played for this guy. 11 points and eight rebounds and plus seven which was the second highest plus minus of any Clipper. I thought that he had, you know, two fouls in the beginning and started out a little shaky, but after that, six offensive rebounds. The guy is so active on the offensive glass, it's amazing. Like, it's amazing. He is so active on the glass. He's good in terms of being a roller in the pick and roll. So when he's in that second unit, when I, whenever I, remember when I said teams will switch everything on the Clippers' small ball lineup, which will basically end up being Norman Powell and John Wall go one-on-one -on -one and create shots. This way with Musa, you can't switch a Colin Sexton on a Musa because he's going to get an offensive rebound over Sexton. So you have to play the pick and roll straight up, and that lets John Wall work his magic. So Musa Diabate is should should absolutely unequivocally be the backup center for this team. That that's the main thing you should realize as a Clipper fan right now. Absolutely should be because the main deficiency in my opinion with certain big men like Moses Brown for example is foot speed guarding the pick and roll. Musa is even better than Zubats in this because he's not as good of a rim protector, but he can switch everything, and that gives you a switch everything look without really going total small ball. You're playing a wing-heavy set, wing-heavy lineup, but your center is like a 6'9 mobile big man. And I thought Musa was really good, and part of a big reason why the Clippers actually took the lead in that second quarter. Another guy I thought was really good, even though his shooting percentage says otherwise, is Brandon Boston Jr., the man who had the highest plus-minus of any Clipper in this game. He played 22 minutes, probably should have played much more than that. He was 4-for-12 in the field, 1-for-2 from 3, which that 3 went in in the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. But he had 10 points. And what I really liked most about Brandon 
was his defense. You know, he actually plays really solid on-ball defense. I've talked about him in the past in the passing lanes because he's got really long arms and has good length. But even getting over screens and guarding the ball, he is no slouch on the defensive end at all. And for that reason, especially in these games where we're missing all these players, he definitely deserves to get a little bit more burn. The problem is the Clippers are so deep and so many guys are out. You're like, this guy deserves minutes. This guy deserves minutes. I think we've said like 14 different players' names that they deserve minutes this season for the Clippers because they are so deep. But yes, Brandon Boston did make his three-pointer in the fourth quarter that cut the game down to four, 92-96, and the Clippers just couldn't really rebound off that. They cut it down to three, 95-98, but then the Jazz kind of pulled away with Jared Vanderbilt, Jordan Clarkson, and Colin Sexton, and the Clippers just kind of ran out of gas, as I said. And, you know, even Brian Seaman in commentary said the same thing. The bright side for the Clippers in terms of that game is the last time the Clippers played the Utah Jazz, they did not have a better record than them. They do, even with that loss. The Jazz are 13-11. and 11. The Clippers are 13-10. and 10. And when you look at the Western Conference standings right now, the Clippers are currently in fifth place. Just one game. Um, actually, no. The, the Grizzlies have played two less games than them. So the Grizzlies are 12-9. and 9, So the same uh, amount above 503 games. New Orleans is 13-8 and eight in the third spot right now. And the Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns are starting to create a little separation. Denver's 14-7. and seven. I mean, you knew they were going to be in the mix. They've won four straight games. And the Suns have won six straight games, many of those without Chris Paul. I'm not sure if all of them are without Chris Paul. Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are playing incredible basketball right now. But as far as the Clippers, just got to take it one game at a time. You know, and hopefully, for their sake, players return. Right now, funny enough, Sacramento, who they play in their next game, is right behind the Clippers in the standings. 11-9 and nine for the Kings. And I'm going to look to see if they're playing it back-to-back because only one game is on on Thursday, which is really weird. Um, I know a large reason of that is a large reason for that is Thursday night football. They've changed it to Tuesday night being the primetime slot for uh, NBA until Thursday night football ends. But, okay, so I don't see the Sacramento Kings playing on Friday. So that means that they're going to have a couple days off as well. So it's going to be a battle. It's going to be an absolute battle. Hopefully for the Clippers, they get guys healthy for that game. And, yeah, just got to take it one game at a time and I guess stay optimistic. But let me ask you, you know, the pin question today was, do you think the Clippers could have done a little bit more in this game? Or do you think they just ran out of gas? Do you think they did everything they could? But let me ask another question. It doesn't have to be under the pin question, but please let me know. How tired are you of this right now? How tired are you of everyone saying, man, if we are healthy, if we're healthy, you know, we'll be great. It's like eventually you're crossing your fingers that you don't have to say this anymore, but each game is going by. Each game is going by. Phoenix is now gaining rhythm. Denver is now gaining rhythm. Remember, top three seed. Top three seed is the goal. The Clippers don't get that. I personally don't believe they'll be winning a championship, and I don't think they'll be getting to the finals either. That's my opinion, though. It's not a fact. I can't see the future. I don't got no crystal ball. But that's just what history tells us, that if you don't get a top three seed, your chances of making the finals are very slim. Only Bill Russell and Akiba Lajuan-led teams can say that. So we'll see. Oof. Not a terrible loss. It's just a little frustrating, you know. But at least the positives, Brandon Boston, Musa Diabate, really looking forward to seeing more Musa. I mean, he's just an exciting player, super active, and does a lot for us on defense. So... Clippers lose it 125 to 112. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Remember to subscribe to my own YouTube channel known as Dime Dropper. We've got some World Cup content coming out if you're into that. 
And of course, remember to comment on today's pin question and subscribe to Locked on Clippers and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment if you enjoy the podcast. And if you're critical of me, give me a comment on YouTube. Tell me what you want me to do better. I am having a green screen coming up in a couple days, so it's not going to be this plain background behind me for those that are tired of watching me just talk in front of a white wall on the YouTube version. Trust me, help is on the way in form of a green screen, and hopefully it looks good and not tacky. So we'll, we'll figure that out. I'll see you guys on the Friday morning episode. Peace out. And you know the age-old proverb, go Clippers.